Thanks for listening to our Faith Church podcast. Let's listen to today's message. God's really doing some great things. And I'm excited about where we are, what God's doing in our church, in our families. And I believe God's given me a word this morning. And so let's just pray before I begin. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that you want to bring us into a new place with you. And Father, there's new heights, there's new depths, there's new things that are in your mind. And Father, that you would open our eyes to see, you'd open our ears to hear what your Spirit is saying to us today. Lord, I ask that you would take every word and that, Lord, it would be your word that would just break yokes and set captives free. Open our understanding today that we can receive everything you've got for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Trust you all had a good Thanksgiving. And uh, it's good to see any of your guests here. I know some people come in from out of town this weekend, and always good to see all of you back on a day like today. We're happy to have you with us. We've been seeing God do some great things in this church. We've been seeing God do some great things, miracles, healing, salvations. I've seen more this year than I've ever seen in any other year of my life. And uh, whenever there's healings and miracles, whenever God is doing great things, uh, I always try to process it because I want to make sure that I'm not missing anything God's doing and getting distracted by anything the enemy might try to do. Because there are times when we have powerful experiences in God and then the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And he comes to rob us from those experiences. And he comes to take away things in our life. We feel like week one, you know, we're just on the mountaintop. God's doing great things. And then the next week we can feel like we're just down in the dumps. And I, when I've been seeing so many good things, but I've been in a season in the last few weeks of just processing some things in my own heart and spirit. And feeling like I'm, I'm not, I'm trying to understand the ways of God and also understand the ways of the enemy and what he's doing because I also am aware that there's a lot of people sick, there's a lot of people coming under attacks, there's a lot of demonic activity that's taking place in people's lives, in people's homes, in people's finances, jobs, marriage, children. And so I'm seeing a lot of different pieces that are moving. And uh, in Luke chapter 4, it talks about the experience that Jesus has in the wilderness. Uh, but before I read that, I want to set up the stage of this because in Luke 3, we see where Jesus really was Jesus' coming out party, where Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan by John. And when he was baptized, God the Father spoke out loud and said, this is my beloved son. God let the cat out of the bag. God said, here is my beloved son. Here is Jesus, and I'm well pleased in him. And when God did that, he set things in greater motion. There was a great excitement. There was a great anticipation. Wow, God's really revealing some things. God's really moving some things. But right after that, it says in chapter 4, it says that Jesus, verse 1, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had entered, he, would, ended, 
he was hungry. And the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me and I will give it to whoever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, it will be yours. And Jesus answered and said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. Then Satan brought Jesus to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. When you look at this story, and you look at your life and you look at the things that you go through, there's going to be times when you feel like there's tremendous victory, where you see salvation, you see healings, you see deliverance, you see breakthroughs, you see God just moving, provision that are taking place, and you get excited and you get thrilled. This is great. This is going to be wonderful. I'm so excited about what God's doing. But many times after a great victory, will come a great challenge. Many times in the process of great blessings, there can be great attacks that are going on in your life. And you begin to scratch your head and wonder, what did I do? Did I open something up? And certainly we can open things up ourselves. There's things that we can do to open up uh, demonic realms. Absolutely, we can open ourselves. But sometimes what happens is we are stepping in to a season of separation. And I want to emphasize that because God wants to separate you to himself. God wants to strengthen you. God wants to encourage you because we have to recognize the enemy's ultimate goal is to separate us from God. He wants to take everything away from you. He wants to destroy your relationship. He wants you to feel as though you're not worthy of any of the blessings of God. You're not worthy of any of the favor of God. And maybe your relationship with God isn't as good as you think. And so there are times of separation that come to believers often. They come to us often because separation, the word there, separation, means to define. To define. When God says, I want, to, I want you to separate yourself to me, separate yourself from the world, we see that in Corinthians, separate yourself, when he, we see that, that word means to define. What do we mean by that? God wants to define some things in you. There's some definitions that need to be made. There's some understandings about your life. There's some understandings about God. He wants to define himself in you. He wants to define himself through you. And he wants you to recognize who he is and who you are in him. And in order to do that, 
If you're always living on the mountaintop, if you're always living with victory after victory after victory, sometimes there can come a feeling as though you're good and maybe, you know, maybe I'm, I'm doing this myself or maybe I don't need God. And this is why it's so important to understand the highs and the lows, the mountains and the valleys. It's important to understand when you're going through something, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still the same. But there's moments of separation that are meant to help define who you are, what you are in Christ. Sometimes it can be something you see coming. Sometimes it can just blindside you and say, where did this happen? What happened? I want you to think about this. Jesus had multiple times of separation where he, was, he separated himself. We see that early in when he was 12 years old and he separated himself from his parents and his parents were looking for him and they said, where have you been? And he says, I, I'm, I'm supposed to be about my father's business. Jesus separated himself here in the wilderness after he had been baptized and the Holy Spirit filled him and he separated himself and God filled him with the power and more power and more power. We see that at the end of the verse, verse 14. And he was filled with power. But he separated himself. We see Jesus separated himself before he was arrested and taken as a prisoner. He was in the garden praying and great sweat, drops of blood were falling from him through the anxiety and through the things. And he, and he stood there and he's wrestling with his flesh. And he said, you know, the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. There was a separation. There was a defining. He had to lock in. Has God really said, is this my assignment? Is this my agenda? And in order for him to step into roles many times, understand Jesus for a season of 33 years, Jesus was God in flesh. So flesh has limitations. And so we are all flesh. None of you are divine. We are, we are body, soul, and spirit. And Jesus for a season was flesh and spirit. And so because he was, he could feel, he could uh, understand the temptations we go through with our flesh. He could understand that. He never succumbed to them, but he understood them. And even as he was in the garden and wrestling um, over, do I really want to give my life? Do I really want to be persecuted? God, all these people love me. All these people are here. You know, I'm saving people. I'm healing people. I'm delivering people. Look at all the people that are being set free. Are you sure? Now is the time. I mean, God, look at all the people. Everybody loves you. And, and I'm sure the Father is going, not everybody. Not everybody loves you. Not everybody thinks you're great. And I'm pretty sure Satan hates you. And you can't lose sight of how much Satan hates you. He hates you. He wants to destroy you and destroy your relationship with God any way he can. And however he can do it, he will destroy your faith in God. He'll destroy your faith in believers. He'll destroy your faith in the church. He'll destroy your faith in your relationship with God. And he will mess with you. There's a lot of people who go into the wilderness and never come out alive. 
says Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil every day. Going through temptations, trials, challenges, the enemy attacking him, putting all kinds of thoughts in his mind, all kinds of attacks upon him. The enemy is going to be relentless. When you get stronger in God, the enemy is going to do anything he can to try to bring you down a notch. You're really not that strong. And it's not wrong because sometimes we think our strength is ourself. And we have to recognize I'm not strong because I'm strong. I'm strong because he's strong. You aren't that strong all by yourself. You may think you are. But just take a little beating from the enemy and we'll see how strong you really are. You know, everybody's strong until they meet a bigger bully than them. And then all of a sudden, you're not quite as strong as you think. Just because the enemy didn't mess with you this week doesn't mean he's leaving you alone. Maybe he's not scared of you because you're not doing anything. Well, as long as you're not doing anything, why do I need to bother you? You're already not praying. You're already not serving Christ. You're already not witnessing. You're already not doing anything that... And so he, 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 he may say, well, Satan doesn't bother me. I'm more scared of that. Because the enemy is always trying to destroy. And if he doesn't need to waste time on you, then you might be, further in, a, you might be in a place that's further gone than you think. I'm not at peace. And I say this carefully. I'm not at peace if Satan's leaving everybody alone. I'm very aware, like, all right, what's going on? Hmm, nobody's getting harassed? Hmm, I know better. I've lived long enough. I've experienced enough. Not that I'm looking for Satan under every rock and every bench and every pew and every house. I ain't looking for him. I don't want him to come out and play. But if he's going to come out, we're going we're gonna to dance a little. And we're going we're gonna to wrestle a little. And we're going to have to fight a bit. Because he's not interested in leaving me alone for long. He doesn't leave me alone for long at all. All of a sudden, things will be come at my way. And I'm like, and, and for, when I'm dealing with something, I, have, I process things. And so I, I get quiet. I'm like, okay, God, is this something I opened? Is this something that the devil's doing? Is this something that, I, I, that uh, you're trying to grow me in? And likely it's all of it. And so I want to align myself with the mind of Christ. What are we doing? Where are we going? And separation is supposed to make us stronger. But in that separation, we may find issues or weakness that we didn't even know we had. Let me give you an example. A very common one. We all know this example. COVID produced a lot of separation. A lot of separation, a lot of anxiety, a lot of fear. Some people died in that wilderness. Some people gave up. Some people got weaker. A lot of people struggled in that wilderness. Some people discovered fear they didn't even know they had in that wilderness. Some people are still stuck in the wilderness of COVID. They're still stuck in things. But again, 
Some people went through that and got stronger. Some people found out who Jesus was. Some people found out that they really do have authority and power in the name of Jesus. Some people discovered that God is with them even in the worst days and the biggest challenges, even when everything was being threatened around them. We found out as a church who got weaker and who got stronger. Some people lost friends. They lost family. They lost loved ones. They lost careers. Some people lost their jobs. Some people lost their ministries. Some people gained a new identity. They found out who Christ was in them. And they have a whole new way of living. If you think Satan is done, he's not done. He's not done. I want to talk about three temptations from the wilderness that we're likely going to have to face. Jesus faced these three. We may have to face these three in some way. And I'll hit these from a different perspective. First temptation we must know the difference between the voice of our flesh, the voice of demons, and the voice of the Lord. The first temptation, I've got to know, is that God, is that Satan, or is that just my flesh? One of the things to set your mind on, to learn, learn the voices. You say, well, Satan never talked to me. Then you don't know what you're talking about. Satan does talk to you. You just don't know his voice. I can't tell you how many people think God's speaking and it's Satan. Because Satan can quote scripture too. Satan can have a Bible verse too. You know, I was feeling this verse. Really? That verse? What's that mean? I, I remember a number of years ago, um, somebody came up to uh, the pastor at the time, who was my mother, and there was, a, there was a guy or a girl, and they came up to, to her and said, you know, we really felt from the Lord we're supposed to be getting married. We met at the altar. We really felt we're supposed to get married. We feel this from the Lord. And my mom looked at them and said, aren't you married to other people? <laughs> that wasn't from the Lord. Let's just clarify this. This wasn't the Lord. Just because you heard a voice doesn't mean it was the voice of God. And you don't know the voice of Satan from the voice of God. A lot of people, a lot of Christians don't know the difference between Satan's voice and God's voice. And so they start saying stuff and many times God will reveal it to people around that maybe are in tune with the Holy Ghost, in tune with the Spirit of God, and go, that's not God. That's, that's why understanding is God speaking to me. And and. Hear me. I wrestle with that. The enemy's going to come at me, and there's times Satan will say stuff to me, and I have to go, wait a sec. No, that's not God. God's not saying that about me. God's not saying that about my wife. God's not saying that about my children. God's not saying that about our church or our school. And I have to fight against the works and the words of Satan because he's going to try to seed you with words. My flesh will try to seed me with words. Well, you know what you want. And he tried to seed Jesus with words. Jesus, certainly you're hungry. Jesus, certainly you want to be this great king and you want to be this. And, and Jesus would quote the word back to him, make sure he understood, listen, just because Satan can quote the word doesn't mean that's the word for me. I'm always careful. If I get a word, I write it down, 
I lay it before the Lord. I tell people to do this all the time, and I'm going to encourage you to do this. When you're praying, when you're spending time in prayer, pull out your phone or pull out a pad and journal what you're hearing. And then take that to the Lord and say, Lord, what of this was you? Please hear my heart on this. There will be some things that you write down that are not from the Lord. They're either just your flesh. Like, I, you know, if you write something down and it says something negative about your life, like you're stupid, you're dumb, you're an idiot, that's probably not the Lord. Because that doesn't even sound like the Lord. Learning the voice of God. Jesus had to discern which is the voice of God, which is the voice of Satan. Now, he's Jesus. But that doesn't mean he still didn't have a choice to believe what Satan was saying. He had a choice. He could have believed it, and it would have ruined everything. But Jesus was sinless. Thank God he didn't choose to believe Satan. Secondly, we must need to know that God can keep us and we don't need to make a deal with the devil for, for deliverance. We don't need to make deals with the devil for any protection. Notice what he said here. He said, if you do this, I'll do that for you. Satan will offer you deals. If you do this, I'll help your career. If you do this... I'll help, I'll help your family. You do this, I'll do And Satan was offering Jesus a deal. You know, Jesus, if you just bow down and worship me, I'll give you all this. You bow down and worship me, you can have all of this. And Jesus, because he knew the way Satan worked, and he knew the word, he understood, listen, I already have the authority from my Father. I don't need your authority to do what I'm called to do. I don't need what your deals are for me to get there. But sometimes we make deals with the devil because we say, well, I, I don't want the enemy to harass me. I don't want the negative stuff. Maybe it's a job. I'll take that job because, you know, I don't want to be without a job or I'll, take, I'll do, take something with my family or something with my health and I'll just do this. You might not be feeling it from the Lord. You, you know it's not from the Lord, but you take the deal from Satan because you're, you feel like that's the only deal you have. Christians make deals with the devil all the time. I know you don't hear this all the time. I'm exposing some things that are going on in your minds. I know some of you are looking at me either in shock or in fear. Or you've already tuned me out and are picking your fantasy team for one o'clock. I understand. But I'm here to tell you, Satan will offer you the cheap way out so that you never fulfill the promise of the call of God for your life. And his deals sound pretty good. But when you look at the end, there's always a payment. And usually the payment is some sort of death or blood. Satan's payment always ends up in death. You look at the deals, you look at the deals some of the celebrities have made, some of the singers that grew up in the church, and by 40, 50 years old, they're dead. Deals with the devil. Well, it'll make me famous. Well, it'll give me everything I want. 
I'll make a deal with them. I'll get everything I want. This accolades. I want this praise. I want this worship. I want to, it'll give me, I'll make a deal. I, I, I know I'm going to have to do some things that maybe God isn't pleased with, but I'm going to make a deal with the devil. And you look at singer and musicians all over the place that do it. We see them. We see it politicians who make deals with the devil. And they sound good and they sound right. And we, we like some of the stuff they say, but the end thereof is death. The third thing Jesus dealt with was the authority that he had because he was the son of God. Satan looked at him and said, prove you're the son of God. Prove you have this authority. Throw yourself down. And he quoted Psalm 91. The angels will catch you. The angels will protect you. If you dash your foot against a stone, you won't be hurt. And he quoted scripture to Jesus. Challenging his authority and challenging who he was, his identity. You never, I never need to prove who I am to the devil. Don't let Satan bait you into proving who you are. Well, prove you're a Christian. I don't need to prove I'm a Christian to you. I belong to Jesus Christ. I don't have to prove who I am to you. Well, I don't believe you're really saved. Well, the Bible says, if I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that I'm saved. So let me quote the scripture back to you. If Jesus says I'm saved, I'm saved. I don't have to prove my salvation to you. I serve Jesus who fills me with all good things. You're filling me with demonic stuff, so I'm not receiving anything you've got. Stop trying to prove yourself to Satan. Well, let me prove how strong I am. You don't need to prove how strong, weak or nothing you are. Stop talking to him like that. And we, try, we feel like we have to prove ourselves to Satan. Well, okay, not Satan. People. I've got to prove myself. Make sure that they think I, I'm worthy. I've got to prove my. You don't have to prove yourself to anybody. I've got to prove myself to my boss. I've got to prove myself to my wife. I've got to prove myself in my career. I've got to prove myself financially. I've got to prove myself in, in this. And you don't have to prove yourself. You're in Christ. When I'm in Christ, I don't have to prove nothing. I just have to walk by faith and not by sight. That was a great word Casey had today. I just have to walk by faith and not by sight. I don't have to prove I can make a million dollars. I don't have to prove that I can be rich. I don't have to be prove that I can be famous. I don't have to prove any. I don't want to prove. If he wants me to be, so be it. If he doesn't, I don't care. Who are you trying to please and what are you trying to prove? And that would have been tempting. And it was a temptation. It's called a temptation. So certainly it was a temptation. But Jesus wasn't buying it. Because he already had all authority. He already was the Son of God. Why do I need to prove to you that I'm the Son of God if I already am the Son of God? Why do I need to prove to you that I'm a Christian if I already am a Christian? And I know I'm living for Christ, and I know I have a prayer life, and I know that I'm surrendered to Christ, and I know that I'm doing everything I can to live for Christ in every way. Why do I have to prove? Unless you don't have a life with Christ, and now you're trying to prove that you have one that you don't have. When I'm feeling strong in God, when I know who I am in Christ, Satan can't bait me. He can try. And there's times he's gotten me pretty close. 
But as I learn Satan's voice, I'm not receiving what he's saying to me. But this comes out of times of separation. And this comes as times, because in separation to God, separation, when you feel these moments of separation, and I don't care who they are, we all have moments of separation where we feel just separate unto God. We feel like something's going on, we don't know what's happening, but there's this moment of separation. When you start to feel that, realize it's an opportunity for you to get stronger, not weaker. It's an opportunity for you to step into the things of God. It's an opportunity to walk out with more identity, with more power, with more authority, with more anointing. It's an opportunity for God to make you stronger. Separation is supposed to make you stronger, not weaker. But that means you have to choose to do God's will. I mean, this is where the children of Israel lost it because they couldn't choose God's will. So everyone who couldn't do it God's way, they died in the wilderness. There's people that are dying. There's churches that are dying. There's ministries that are dying. There's Christians that are dying in the wilderness through fear, through torment, through harassment. They're dying because they haven't figured out the voice of God versus the voice of the devil. Look at Adam and Eve. Here they are in the garden, and they get offered. I know you're hungry. Eve, you got to be hungry. Eve, you know you're hungry. Here's some fruit. It's so interesting that the thing that the first Adam dealt with, the second Adam had to deal with, hunger. Here, take this apple. Here, I know you're hungry. I'm sure you want to eat. And we see first Adam failed. Adam and Eve failed and lost so much of the promises of God. Go with me to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John 2. The enemy really wants to separate us from God. When you're in a wilderness, pay attention to his words. God wants to grow you. The enemy wants to steal you. I want to bring this through another way because this is the way we're most likely going to see it as well. 1 John 2, 15 and 16. And you might need to write this down, put it in your journal, put it in your notes. Because every believer will deal with this scripture. Every believer. And probably multiple times a year. Verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Those are three things Jesus dealt with in the wilderness. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, I can have all this. Pride of life, well, they'll worship me, they'll, I'll have all authority. I have yet to meet a believer who hasn't had to deal with these things. Pastor, you saying even pastors get tempted with these things? We all get tempted with these things. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes. It'll just manifest different for each one. Pride of life? Absolutely. Satan will offer you things. Oh, look at that. Don't you want that? 
You just want that. You know you want that. And, and you say, yeah, I do want that. No, I don't want that. Yes, I do. No, I do. Yes, I do. No, I don't. God, do I want that? And it depends which God you choose to listen to. Because he'll make something look so good. You want that. And this is where you have to lay aside your appetites and desires. The things that are in you. And I say this to the Lord all the time. Lord, there's things you know I'd love to have. But at the end of the day, I don't care. Whatever your will, not my will be done. I mean, I tell the Lord stuff like, Lord, I'd, I'd love to have just a, a nice new house with a pool. Just give me a pool that's heated. I'd love a heated pool. Maybe even it can extend and give me three seasons in the pool. You know, we are in Rochester. If it's indoor, I'll take a four-season pool. God, you know. But at the end of the day, I don't care. And I'm certainly not going to take it from Satan. I don't want anything he's offering me. And so, Lord, if I ever get a new house or if I ever get a pool, I don't care. I don't care. Yes, it looks great, but be careful what you wish for. Everything that looks good comes with a price. I've watched people make these mistakes in relationships. Say, if I just married that person, my life will be so perfect. He completes me. If I'm just with her. Oh. Five years later, I can't, can't stand. can't stand. You know, a conversation with the Holy Spirit might have helped. Well, God will give me the desires of my heart. Be careful with that scripture. Satan loves to use that scripture to get you to desire things that are not in God's heart. I never pray that scripture. God, give me the desire of my heart. I pray, God, give me the desires of your heart. And Lord, if that's your desire, then I want it. And I claim it in Jesus' name. If it's not your desire, then I don't. And some things, honestly, I don't know. And I say this, and you, you'll laugh at me, but I don't know if a pool's his heart. I don't care. I just leave it at the altar of God. I just leave it at the altar of God. God, I leave that at the altar. And if you know what's best for me, I trust you. I'm not going to ask for that unless I know that you want me to have that. But when I see that, I say, okay, Lord, what is your heart? I just want to do your will. I would much rather have a million other things, revival, soul saved, healings, miracles, signs, wonders, Rochester saved. I'd much rather have things of the spirit that I can take with me to heaven than things on this earth that will mean nothing to the kingdom of God. Well, would you rather have a pool or a hundred souls? I'd rather have a hundred souls. Would you have a pool or one soul? I'd rather have one soul. Because that, that soul I can take with me to heaven. Heaven don't need my pool. And hell's got a big pool. And I don't want that pool either. But you know what I'm saying when I say lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes, pride of life, 
Ah, oh, you know, if I get this job, I wouldn't even be able to get my head through the door. Man, if I get this promotion, if I get this career, if I get this person, if I get this, whatever it is, pride of life. See, Satan knows where you're weak. Satan knows, and he's going to go after the areas he thinks you're weak in. And for some of us, how does he know? We tell him, God, I'm so weak. I'm so weak. Oh, you are? Okay, great. Well, let's set that one up. Let's tee this up. See, Satan went after Jesus in the area he thought Jesus was weak in. Well, Jesus was weak. You know, he had to be 40 days without food. 40 days without food. Jesus had to be weak. And his flesh, yeah, I'm sure his flesh was weak, but I ain't eating that food. My food is to do the will of him who sent me, Jesus said. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be times you're weak. And he looked at him and said, you're weak and we- or you're weak. Maybe I can get Jesus with power. He's going, to be- he's going to want more power. Maybe I can get Jesus with authority. He's going to want more authority. After all, isn't that what Satan wanted when he fell from heaven? He wanted authority. He wanted power. He wanted worship. And that's what took him out, because he knew what took him out, and he had been in heaven with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Ghost. He had been up there with them. And so that's what he wanted. So certainly he understood the realms of the spiritual. He understood the realms of the supernatural, and he understood, I'm going to try to get Jesus in those realms, because Jesus will probably want to show forth his power. But Jesus understood, I'm here to do the will of him who sent me. It's not about my power, it's about the power of God in me. It's not about your power, but he's going to try to find you. And the question you have to ask yourself is, where am I weak? Where am I weak? And what is Satan trying to offer me? What is Satan offering you? What does he want to offer? Where can he get you? Where is your weakness that he can get you? Money. Status. Relationships. Whatever it is, where can he get you? Because he knows you're weak. And you said some things and you put some things in it. That's why you've got to be careful what you say. Now, I said it in first service. I'll say it again this service. If you want to learn what to say, if you want to learn how to use your mouth correctly, take a year and read James every day. Read the book of James every day. Because some of us, we say things we shouldn't be saying. We do things. We destroy people in our lives. We destroy things in our lives. We destroy our relationship with God. We destroy it because we say things. Well, God will never provide that. Well, I'll never get that. Well, you're going to be the reason. And we say things that end up causing words to become life and words become strength and words then destroy those things. And Satan knows where we're weak and he knows if he can get you on your weakness, he can separate you from God and get you to die in the wilderness. But God knows if you'll stand up and go, yeah, I acknowledge I'm, I, I, I am weak in that. But when I'm weak, he is strong. My strength doesn't come from me. My strength comes from my relationship with him. 
My strength doesn't come from who I am by myself. My strength comes from who I am in Christ. This is why I've got to know who I am in Christ. Because when I'm weak, he's strong. And I can't always be strong in every area of my life. But if I'm strong in him, I can be strong in any area of my life. When he, when he attacks me day after day, week after week, month after month, I can be strong and I can learn to declare, like Casey said, what I see, I am strong today. I'm strong in the power of God. That thing is not going to get my eyesight. That thing is not going to get into my earsight. I'm going to turn that, myself away from that person, turn myself away from that career, turn myself away from that money, turn myself away. I just want the will of God, but I have to say it and speak it and see it in the spirit realm that God is my provider. I am not going to get caught up with whatever Satan wants to offer me. I'm not buying a deal from Satan. The wilderness can make you or break you. The wilderness can take you further. Or the wilderness can suck every bit of life out of you. You say, well, I'll never be in it. You probably already are. You just don't know it. Because we all go through it. The enemy attacks us all. And God wants to become our strength in such a new way. Think about this. In Luke chapter 4, verse 1, it says when Jesus entered the wilderness, the Bible says in verse 1, he was filled with the Spirit. When he came out of the wilderness in verse 14, it says then Jesus returned in the power of of the Spirit. The goal when you go through is to become stronger, not weaker. But I want to make an important distinction in this story. The important distinction is this. Jesus fasted for 40 days. I mean, real fast. You know, some people are in a wilderness, but you never fast. You don't spend the time with the Lord. You're not willing to pay a price. To get stronger, it's going to cost you something. Listen, it's going to cost you something whether you follow Satan or whether you follow the Lord. It's going to cost you something. With Satan, he's going to rob, steal, and destroy. With the Lord, you, you're going to have to subdue your flesh. It's going to cost you what your flesh wants, but your spirit will come alive in Christ. This is why some people get stronger for the moment. They're stepping into the things of God. They, maybe they made a big decision, and I decided this week I'm going to start tithing, and this week, and all of a sudden, your car comes, gets, comes under attack. You're, you get bills that you didn't expect, because Satan's going to see, did you really mean it? Well, Jesus, you said you're my provider. I believe you're my provider. You're going to provide. You know I took a step of faith. I felt so good because I did what you called me to do. I stepped in and obeyed your word. I obeyed your voice. Now, Father, I thank you that that bill's already paid. I thank you, Father, that car is not, does not have problems. I thank you that what the mechanic said, he's wrong. He's going to look at it again, and he's going to find out that that wasn't the problem at all. I thank you, Father, even if it is the problem, you're going to lay your hands on it, and you're going to speak to it, and it is already fixed in Jesus' name. I don't care what you're standing up for. You're going to have to make some decisions. But fasting is one of the keys to getting stronger. Because your flesh doesn't like to fast. Your flesh doesn't want to fast. The lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the pride of Your flesh doesn't want to fast. Why don't you fast that? 
Fast what, that social media. Fast that food. Fast that relationship. Well, is this relationship really from God? Why don't you fast it for two weeks and see if it is? Ooh, I can't go without him for two weeks. <laughs> I'm already nervous. <laughs> is this job really from God? I want to give you seven defining moments to look for. Seven defining moments, and I'm going to go quick. I told first service I'm going to do seven defining moments in seven minutes. They laughed at me, but I did it. I'm not telling you I'm doing them in seven minutes. Seven defining moments. Moment number one. Determine who God is to you. One of the defining moments is I have to determine who is God to me really. Do I really believe God? Do I really know God? Do I really serve God? Am I really full of faith that God can provide for all my needs? Do I really believe God is stronger than anything that will come my way? Do I really believe and want to get closer to God? Or do I feel like quitting? Or do I feel like I, I, I want to keep God in the picture, but he's not really, he's not everything to me. He's just a part of something to me. Some believers, some Christians, you love Jesus, but Jesus is only a part of your life. He's not everything. And determine, when you're going through these things, determine, is Jesus everything? Is Jesus everything? Is who is Jesus to me? Who is God to me? Am I willing to serve everything he wants me to do? Am I willing to let go of anything he tells me to let go of? Or is there something that's got a grip on me that if Jesus asked me to let go of it, I couldn't let go of it? Second, determine to learn Satan's voice and God's voice. Determine to learn Satan's voice and God's voice. Oh, pastor, I don't need to learn Satan's voice. Yes, you do. You absolutely do. So many believers get stuck because they don't know the difference between Satan's voice and God's voice. You need to know what is Satan's voice. You need to know what is God's voice. You need to know what is your flesh. You need to know voices that are in your life. There are voices that we hear that are not of God. There are voices that we hear that is not God's word. It is not God's word for us for that moment. You have to determine, is this Satan's voice? Is this God's voice? You have to understand, is God speaking to me? And how do I hear God's voice? There are times, listen, every, not, I don't know a Christian. I may just be very honest. I'm going to say this a few times. I don't know a, any Christian who gets it right every single time. Well, what about you? You're a pastor. I don't get it right every single time. Sometimes I think it's the voice of God. I start heading down that road. I'm like, was that God? And I have to go back and ask the Lord, was that you? We don't spend enough time asking God, was that you? Sometimes we just get an, we get an agreeable idea. We get an agreeable word. Buy the house at the pool. Amen, I'm buying that house at the pool in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus, I heard from the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. See, somebody came up to me in church 
And somebody said to me without even knowing, you've always wanted a house of the pool. That doesn't mean it's from the Lord. <laughs> Just because somebody comes up to you from the church and says, you've always wanted a house of the pool, that doesn't mean it's from the Lord. <laughs> what? It doesn't? No, it doesn't. Just because somebody confirms what you desire doesn't mean that desire is of God. I've had people say to me and say, you've thought this, and they're right, I had thought that. But it doesn't mean it was from God. I've had to learn the voice of God in my dreams. I dream a lot. I dream every night. I dream probably five, six dreams a night. And some of them are very vivid. And I have to discern what is of God and what is of Satan. And I'm just being honest with you. A lot of times, that is exactly where Satan attacks me, is in my dreams. That's exactly where he attacks me in my dreams. Because he knows I'm sleeping. And he knows I'm going to get mad if he wakes me up. <laughs> and everything I dream is not from the Lord, but some things are. And one of the discernments, and I, I, I want to teach you this, I want you to understand because somebody taught me this years ago. It's important when you wake up from a dream, how does your spirit feel at that moment? I don't care what the word was. I don't care what the dream was. The dream could have been, hey, I'd get a house with a pool. <laughs> the dream could have been, you're going to marry this person, or you're going to get this job, or you're going to have this career. I could, it could have been a dream that totally I love. But how do I know that dream was from the Lord. Or the dream could have been something negative. You're going to get in a car accident. Or something like that. Or somebody's going to attack you. Or somebody's going to accuse you of something. Or somebody's going to do this or do that. Not everything positive is from the Lord. Not everything negative is from the devil. Let me show you what I mean. I've gotten dreams from the Lord... And I wake up and I, and, and I feel bad. I'm like, it's something to do with somebody. Maybe they're in the church or maybe they're in my family. And I'm feeling, I feel that the dream was bad. The dream was, this was happening to them. And I wake up and I say, Lord, was that you? Are you warning me of something? Or is that Satan that I need to, or what, is, what am I dealing with? Many times when I wake up, I'll say, what am I dealing with? And the Lord will show me and say, no, something's getting ready to happen. I, want to, I wanted to prepare you before it happened and show you how to take a stand against it. And I have peace. So if I wake up with peace in my spirit over any dream, I'm like, all right, that could have been, could have been from the Lord. But I could get a dream, but I wake up full of anxiety full of fear, whether it's a positive dream or anything. It could be, I, I got promoted to this, or I got this or that. But I, I wake up and I'm full of anxiety. It's probably from the Satan. I've got to sense my spirit, man, what I'm dealing with. Many times when I wake up in the middle of the night, I'm rebuking Satan. And I'm telling him, leave me alone. I'm trying to sleep. Jesus, tell him to get off. Tell him to stop. You know this is my sleep time. You know I need to sleep. And I'll, and I'll fight. And, some, and if I, sometimes I can't get right back to sleep, then I'll get up and I'll fight and I'll just begin to pray in the spirit until that thing lifts. 
Satan will attack you. You've got to know what you're dealing with, even in your dreams. Demonic attacks are going to come and try to speak into your ears. You can't be afraid. Fear may try to get a hold of me. And I say, I rebuke fear. Fear, you're not coming to me. I, and I rebuke you. Jesus, I, I had this crazy dream a couple nights ago about a part of my body falling off. I'm like, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. I'm not losing any part of my body. You've got to be kidding. I'm not losing anything in Jesus' name. And I rebuked Satan, and I, I rebuked his words, and I rebuked everything. That is of the devil. That is not of God. And I sent it back. And I'm fighting. Sometimes I'm praying in the spirit. I'm praying out loud. My wife's sleeping, snoring, whatever she's doing. And I'm just, well, little, little bit. Well, so sometimes she's, she's sleeping, and I'm just praying in the spirit, and I'm, I'm doing what I got to do. And if I can't get back to sleep, I'm getting up. Now we're going to tussle. Now you woke me up. So now I'm going to put a beating on you. And I'm going to pray in the spirit and pray in the spirit and pray in the spirit. War in the spirit. If you're going to take some of my time, I'm going to take some of your territory. Because what help is it for me to sit there and be this upset? Ah, 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 I'm so mad. Why? Why, God? Why, God? Get up and fight. Get up and pray. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Stop letting Satan steal everything from you. Then again, maybe that's a time where you can get stronger. Maybe that's a time when Satan sees that disrupting you isn't going to make you mad, but it gets you closer to God. Maybe he'll stop waking you up. Oh, you're going to spend time with the Lord now. I had a great three hours with the Lord from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. It was a great time. Me and the Lord, we talked, we worshiped, I prayed, I worshiped him. Man, he spoke to me, gave me things. I love it. Thank you, Lord. Don't let Satan beat you up. Get to know the voice of God. Determine to learn Satan's voice and God's voice. Point number three, determine to come out stronger. You might be in the fight of your life. You might be in the wilderness of your life. You might be in the season that's harassing you. But keep fighting. Keep coming out. Keep swinging. Keep declaring. Keep growing. Keep repenting. Say, I'm coming out stronger. I may feel foggy right now. I may feel like I don't know where I am. I don't know what's going on. But determine, I'm coming out of this stronger. Satan is not going to take me out. I'm going to know who I am. I'm going to know what God's going to do in me. I'm going to be stronger in Christ. Point number four. Determine your identity is defined by Christ. Determine who you are is defined by Christ. My identity. Determine I am defined by Christ. Determine that he is everything to me. He defines who I am. I am a strong believer. I am a mighty believer. I am a man of God. I'm a woman of God. Whoever you are. Determine who you are in Christ. Learn about yourself. Learn who God's called you to be. Don't sit there and wallow and say, I'm terrible. I'm a horrible person. I'm nothing. I'm nobody. That's not who you are in Christ. That's who you are in Satan. Learn who you are in Christ. In Christ you are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are strong. You are mighty. You are powerful. Learn who you are in Christ. Determine strengthening yourself, knowing who you are in Christ. Number five, determine to have more power in God. Determine to have more power in God. More power. I determine I'm going to have more power in God. Satan can't bait me. 
with his power. He can't bait me with his promises. He can't bait me with doing the things that he wants me to do. My power doesn't come from Satan. And my power doesn't come from who he is in my life, the things that he gives me, all the accolades that the world gives me, all the things. My power comes, and I'm coming out with more power. I'm coming out with more strength. I'm coming out with power. And then the sixth one is determined to have more authority in Christ. Some people have power but no authority. What's authority? Authority means when you speak, something happens. When you speak, you have authority. I have authority in my home. You know, not every parent has authority in their own home. Sometimes all the authority lies with the three-year-old that's running the shop. <laughs> the parent may have the title, but the three-year-old has all authority. Because if he whines and complains and starts to throw himself on the ground and starts to say, well, I want this, I want this. You're like, well, just give it to him. Who's got authority? He does. I bind that in Jesus' name. You're going to get up. You don't have authority in this house. I've got authority in this house. I don't know who you think you are, but you ain't running this house. Some four-year-old's got authority in my house. That'll be the day. But you watch some people. You know, it's, you know I've told you before, I'm a people watcher. And so sometimes when I'm in, in malls or I'm in stores or stuff, I just like to watch people. And fascinating watching people with their children. <laughs> Come here. I don't know. And some people, the kids are throwing themselves on the ground, and then they're looking. I don't know what to do with them. You want me to help? I'll help. I'll tell you what to do with them. You need some help? I don't know. He just does this. That's because you let him do this. Determined to walk out with authority. Who are you allowing in your house? What spirits are you allowing in your home? Who gets to rule your house? Well, you know, they came home angry yesterday. They came home upset. Tell that angry spirit to leave your house. Tell that spirit of bitterness and offense. You are not welcome in my house. I don't allow offensive spirits in my house. I don't allow demonic spirits in my house. Why? Well, it's because it's my wife or my husband. Tell them we're not going to do this anymore. Look right at him and say, you want the spirit in this house? Is this the spirit you want? You want to have a spirit of anger all the time? You want to have a spirit of, of argument all the time? You want to have that spirit in this house? I don't want it in this house. If you want it, you take it outside this house. But it ain't staying here. I'm refusing it. Don't bring it to me because I'm not receiving this anymore. I have authority. And don't bring it into my kids. Start stepping up. Who are you in Christ? You have authority. You don't And understand, Satan's going to challenge you. Say, you don't have that authority. Yes, I do. I don't have it in me, but I have it in Christ. Christ will show me how to say it. Christ will show me how to do it. Authority doesn't mean I yell back. Well, you're an idiot. Well, you're an idiot too. That's not authority. That's stupidity. The seventh point, last one. Determined to have more anointing. When Jesus came out, not only was he filled with the Spirit, he was filled with power. He had more power, more authority, more anointing. Every time he stepped into 
uh, he wanted to go further, he had, it cost him something. He'd have to separate. Remember, he'd say to the disciples, I've got to go away and pray for a little bit. Yeah. It's not because he wasn't God, but because he had to deal with his flesh and make sure that his flesh wasn't going to keep him from his spirit leading. Because Jesus operated in the anointing. Well, pastor, I'm, I'm always anointed. No, you ain't. No, I, I really am. No, you're not. You're really not. Well, pastor, isn't somebody always anointed? No, Jesus was the anointed one. There is no anointed two. I know lots of preachers. I know lots of men and women of God. I know people that have been saved for 130 years. People that have been saved forever. At least it feels like it. I promise you, every single one that I know, do not walk in the anointing 24-7. They have flesh too. They have wilderness too. They have things that they have to deal with. I don't know any of them that walk in the Spirit all the time. I don't walk in the Spirit all the time. Just ask my wife and my kids. You just, the anointing. Let me make a distinction between the anointing and what it is and what it isn't. Because People confuse the anointing, and I try to say this every so often, but people confuse the anointing with the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit. And there's people, you have gifts, and that's part of the power that you get. When you come out, you come out with power. What a power? A lot of it's gifts, gifts of the Spirit. You come out with gifts of the Spirit, you know, you have a gift of faith or work in the miracles, and that's power. You come out with more power. But the anointing is beyond the gifts. The anointing isn't the gifts. The anointing Bible says breaks yokes. There can be people with gifts that have no power to break yokes. There's some days I feel like I can break every yoke in front of me. There's other days I don't feel like I've got any anointing going in my life. I'm just telling you the truth. And for me to get the anointing, I have to spend time in prayer. I have to spend time with the Lord hours upon hours upon hours. Now gifts... They come, and I, can, and I can have gifts, and I see people, you see people with gifts, I mean, the easy ones to see are people with, like musicians or singers, and you see a singer, and you're like, wow, that's a really gifted singer. They could be a gifted singer, they could love Jesus and have no anointing. They sound great, you feel the goosebumps, you feel the presence of God, but no yokes are broken. I don't want to operate my life without the anointing. But in order for me to get the anointing, it's going to cost me something. There's a price to pay, and that price is time. Choosing time with the Lord, meaning I've got to choose not to spend some time with listening to the devil, and I've got to spend some time hearing God's voice, waiting on the Lord, listening to what he wants me to do. A lot of people stop with power. A lot of people stop with gifts and go, hey, I'm good. God's given me gifts. And they stop with gifts. Because pressing in for the anointing, it's harder. It takes more effort. Because the gifts are without repentance. You can get gifts. And gifts are wonderful. And we need to, when we go into these times, get more gifts. Ask God for more gifts. Gifts of faith. Gifts of prophecy. Gifts of whatever it is. Ask God for more gifts. But for me, it's the anointing. Let, let me give you a quick example, then we'll, we'll, we'll close in prayer. Look at the apostles. Jesus said, I give you power and authority to tread on serpents. I give you power and authority. Go into the cities, go into the by place, go into these places, and you can, 
You can heal, lay your hands on sick and see people recover. How many times did they go and do it and nothing happened? They had the gifts. But the anointing, when they'd walk by people, that anointing, the shadow would just heal people. When they'd walk by, the anointing would come upon them and people's lives would be changed. I'm not saying that your shadows have to anoint people what I'm saying, or heal people. What I'm saying is there's something beyond the gifts. It's something that shows you spent time with the Lord. You're hearing from God. God wants to use you to see people set free, to see the power of God. And God's anointing is not limited to pastors or evangelists or teachers or preachers or anybody else. God's anointing is for the body of Christ. But it's the same price. The price I got to pay is the price you got to pay. And it's a price of separation. Defining who I am in Christ. Defining who he is in me. It's separation unto God. There's an anointing that he wants to give you when you spend the time hearing his voice. Let's stand this morning. Before you leave, I just want to pray two prayers this morning. And I'm going to open the altars for both of them. The first one is, Jesus Christ isn't really your Lord and Savior. I'm not saying you don't pray. I'm not saying you don't come to church or any of that. But you really don't have a relationship with Christ. Praying at Christ doesn't mean you have a relationship. Saying words, I need a relationship. Or you're not sure if you're saved. Maybe Satan's been beating you up on, are you really saved? And you don't know if you're really saved. Maybe you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. But today's the day. Whether you like it or not, you're going to have to fight the enemy. And you'll have tremendous highs and you'll have wonderful things you'll see victory over and you'll see challenges in your life like wilderness times that you just have to slug it out and just keep fighting and keep swinging and keep fighting and keep swinging and believe God that by the time you come through you're going to see God move just bow your heads with me if you want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life today or maybe you want to come back to Christ Rededicate your life. That's you. Will you lift your hand? Say, Pastor, that's me. Will you pray for me? I want to give you an opportunity, whether you're on the floor or in the balcony or you're watching online. I don't care. But you know you need Jesus. You need Jesus for you. It's not about what anybody else thinks about. You know you and Jesus are not in the right place. You need to be. And you and Jesus need to come to the right place right now. If that's you and you mean it, I want you just to come to the front right now. I'm not going to try to force you. You just know you need Jesus. Come on. Who else? You know you need Jesus. You're just not in the right place. You need to get in the right place. You're struggling. You know Jesus Christ loves you today. He loves you. Come on. He loves you so much. God bless you. Just stay right there. I'm so glad you came up. There's others, you just, you know you need Jesus. I, I need Jesus today. I want to serve Jesus. I, I'm struggling. 
I don't, I don't even know. And I want to be sure today that I'm serving Christ. Don't worry about anybody judging you. It doesn't matter. What matters is you and God. Anybody else? A few more seconds. We're going to pray this prayer together, those that are down front. I want you to pray with me. Come on. I see you. I'll wait for you. Stand right there. Good to see you. Just, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Close your eyes. Congregation, join with me. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me for my sins. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. I choose today to serve you. Satan, get out of my life. I don't want you. I'm here to serve Jesus. Jesus, thank you for loving me. And from this day forward, I will get stronger. In Jesus' name. Come on, just lift your hands to the Lord. Father, I just ask you would fill each one now with your spirit. Lord, I just ask for the filling of the Holy Ghost to come upon them. Lord, that they would have more and more of your spirit. I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon them. That, Father, that you would just give them that assurance of who they are in Christ. I just rebuke every lie of the enemy that tries to harass them. That from this day forward, they will never question who they are in Christ. I declare the power of God's upon them. That, Lord, you're going to strengthen their time with you. You're going to strengthen their walk with you. And that, Lord, that they will serve you all the days of their life. I declare an anointing of God. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, fill them with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, I release the presence of God upon them. The presence of God upon them. In the name of Jesus. Leaders, if you'll come around and just get with them. Thanks again for listening to our Faith Church podcast. We are so glad you chose to listen to this message. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to receive notifications when we release new content. Also, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Faith Church Rock to find out more information about what is currently happening at Faith Church.